I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Thanks so much for tuning in. While most of us may be used to the idea of maintaining a digital persona on platforms like Instagram and Facebook, the idea of stepping inside these virtual worlds is, well, out of this world. Yet that's exactly what one Toronto-based startup invites us to do. It's Me is a 3D scanning company with a mission to turn everyone into avatars. Members of the public are invited to visit their studio on Spadina Avenue to step inside a cylinder room equipped with hundreds of tiny digital cameras. In an instant, your 360-degree image is captured and your avatar is rendered for free. Moments later, you are doing things you never imagined possible, like dancing the thriller dance in perfect unison with other avatars or landing a perfect backflip in heels. You can even experience yourself in virtual reality using an HTC Vive headset. You can join a 90s dance party or be teleported to walk the moon. I sat down with It's Me founder Pete Ford to chat about 3D scanning and the implications for retail. In the future, will we dress our avatars? Maybe the technologies we use to develop them can help dress us. I had so many questions, as I'm sure you do too. I hope you find this episode as fascinating and exciting as it was to put together. Without further ado, my conversation with Pete Ford, founder of It's Me. So I'm here with Pete Ford of It's Me. We're in the It's Me studio. And Pete, for those who don't know you, can you give us a high-level sketch of who you are and what you do? Thanks, Amanda. So I'm Pete, and I take pictures of people and turn them into three-dimensional avatars that they can use in virtual reality and games and emojis and God knows what else. And the company we started about three years ago, and for the first two years, people were telling us this was completely impossible and that we would not succeed. So it's nice that a few minutes ago, I was able to just make you start doing backflips with your virtual avatar. So it seems like we pulled it off. Yeah. So in the background here, I just want to walk people through because my next question was, how do you actually scan people? But I experienced it today, so I can speak to this a little bit. You have a studio here and in the studio, there's this room and there's how many cameras in there? 70 cameras and they take your picture all at once. And then right away you're turned into an avatar and you can start doing various things with, with that avatar. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about this contraption here and how much it cost and how you rated on it. Of course. So this is actually the fifth version of the machine that we built to run our software on. We are actually sort of fundamentally a software company, but of course we needed hardware to run on. So we we started working on this originally uh, two by fours and duct tape in, in my business partner, Fernando's basement. It's come a long way since. So we set out to create a system that would scale to hundreds of millions of people, which means that For the people getting scanned, it can't cost them anything. It has to be a a casual decision to go through. And the whole thing has to happen sort of while you watch. It has to be responsive and fun for people to gather around and see themselves get turned into an avatar. And of course, there's no man behind the curtain. So everything you see happening is happening digitally and algorithmically. So the whole process is math, stay in school kids. I actually won't pretend to understand most of the math myself, although I can talk about it. Once we capture all the pictures, we copy them to a central machine and do a whole bunch of uh, post-processing. Ultimately, we remove you from from the background so that you end up as just a silhouette, and then we can carve you out of three-dimensional space. So you sort of look like a Minecraft character. That gets smoothed out. 
we paste the, the texture, which is what you actually look like, on top of that. And then we find your skeleton inside of that, which is a, a strange concept, but we know a lot about how humans are shaped and how they move. So we're able to use machine learning to actually analyze your body and figure out where your joints are. And with all that, you have all the components of animation. So I'm looking at a screen right now and Amanda's jumping around like Neo. So I think she's a true believer. And it sounds like a complicated process, and I'm sure it is, but the crazy thing to me is that it all happens within minutes. Within minutes, I was scanned, and then I was in a virtual reality headset dancing around with some of your friends, so you've really got this down to an art. Yeah, we wanted to show an example of a virtual reality experience that isn't a game. It's actually like a 90s rave. You even get glow sticks in your hands. But you see yourself sort of appear in the scene and, and you can look at yourself in the mirror and you look down and you see your own hands. Really what, what's special about this, this medium, virtual reality, is that it's, it's less about you and more about the people that you're doing it with. It's these so shared social experiences that make it incredible. So when I go into that environment, I actually see all of my friends and all the people that I care about. And there's some people you knew too, but for me, it's like a, a homecoming reunion. And my brain immediately relaxes. I feel like I'm at home with my people and I can let loose and I can actually dance. And if you come by it, you know, late at night, you'll actually see me testing the latest version because uh, it's actually fun to dance with my friends, even if, if they're actually probably at home asleep. But being able to actually walk around in a room full of people who look just like your friends at the same height, same motions, it's a pretty trippy and wonderful experience. And so we're used to this idea of having a digital life, uh, for example, our Facebook accounts, but not everyone is used to the idea of having an avatar. And I looked up the word avatar and it actually comes from a Sanskrit word, which means to cross. What do you think, I guess I should ask, why do you think avatars are so important and what life or existence are they allowing us to cross into? That's an awesome question. I would argue that since the advent of the Facebook newsfeed, that Facebook has actually been teaching us how to record every moment of our lives in such a way that we project the the legacy that we want for ourselves and that we project the facet that we want our friends uh, and people who we don't even know yet to perceive, except that all that is represented today in words and pictures and links. And that's all really good information, but there's a serious lack of virtual representation. So I think all we're really doing is taking that initial feeling which Mark Zuckerberg has helped create, which is that we should be a society of sharers and we're giving people a vehicle by which to actually share not just their thoughts and their opinions, but also their own personal appearance and their sense of style. And so in that way, I think even when we're you know, maybe if we're sleeping or our boxers or our, our gym clothes, that virtually we still look like a million bucks. And that if I can't go to a party, maybe someday I'll be able to virtually send myself to the party. And heck, long after I'm gone, I might be able to still go to the party. Yeah, it seems to me that a lot of what you're talking about comes back to this idea of like the social aspect of VR. And I think that that's something that gaming has maybe introduced us to, but you're looking to explore kind of whole new aspects beyond gaming, which I think is is really important. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what kind of things you've done with people's avatars for fun and then some business use cases. I mean, one of the most fun parts of, of doing this company is that we do get to experiment with all sorts of new tech. 
There's a 360 camera over there that does live streaming that I'm going to play with later on this afternoon. I'd say it would be easy to put on a business hat and start like analyzing market verticals and saying, oh, for travel or for real estate, automotive. It's just a very dry way of describing bringing our relationships and our, you know, our desires and our hopes and ambitions into a new technological era. So frankly, it's not too hard to imagine ways that you can use VR and use avatars in VR to take a concept and make it a little bit better. And, you know, opportunistically, we're well poised to capture some of that excitement. And I think it will become, in hindsight, very obvious that that having a virtual persona will be something that is highly desirable and highly valuable. If you were threatened with losing your Facebook profile today, you'd go into a state of panic. And I hope very much to achieve the same sort of panic if someone was to take away your avatar, which is why we work so hard to keep them safe. Yeah, it's interesting. The Facebook profile is kind of like a method of validating your personhood these days. It's the way of logging into so many other apps. And it's the way of kind of verifying that you're not a complete stranger. So it's interesting now that avatars are the next sort of frontier for personhood in, in you know, I think it, it speaks to how digital or lives have become. Sorry, obviously there's a lot of opportunities for avatars um, in any space where we want to insert ourselves into the online world. What opportunities do you see for fashion and maybe retail? So first of all, being able to try on clothes on a virtual you is definitely something that's going to be great news for people who might not be wild about clothes shopping. I mean, even people who are into fashion might really hate going to the mall. I mean, for every person who likes the social experience, there's probably other people who really would skip it if they can. I'd say that one of the most exciting aspects for a retailer, especially a bespoke retailer, is cutting down on the number of returns and even not making an object in the first place if someone actually designs something in a virtual clothing designer or customizer and then really decides that they don't like it. Because if someone makes a custom good and then they don't want it anymore, it's it's garbage and that's unfortunate. So being able to actually try on an object that you created or, you know, try out an entire line of clothing and see how it looks on you and how it might complement your body size, something that's really empowering. I think it will probably drive sales. And I think that it's actually a lot of fun, potentially even allowing your virtual avatar to wear a line before it's available. You know, there's all sorts of interesting sort of tie-ins and promotional launch opportunities, I'm sure, that people will come up with. And we hope to be able to enable a lot of that. So in the demo video on your website, you make the promise that with an avatar, you can try on any outfit without having to make a purchase or go into a store. How is this possible without having exact measurements from various retailers? And how are you kind of combating that idea of fit? So the technology that we use can absolutely be used to scan someone wearing skin tight outfit or no outfit at all, of course. But for me, the problem is not a technical one. It's actually a social one. It's trying to convince people, take off most of their clothes in a semi-public space and then trust that a machine with a whole bunch of cameras pointed at them is going to keep their nearly naked body completely safe. I mean, some of my my closest and dearest friends, I'm pretty sure would have a hard time stripping down, even if promised the opportunity to try on virtual clothes. So to me, the tech is actually there and it's waiting for you. It's giving people a realistic feeling of comfort about getting scanned. But 
let's assume that we cross the social barrier and we now have body shape captured. I have very realistic details about at least your exterior self, Amanda, and, and we can use your avatar now to try on some virtual clothes in a simulation environment that is actually uh, almost eerily, eerily good. Clothing designers will be able to use and are already able to use in some cases 3D sewing tools to try out designs and try out different fabrics with all their physical properties intact virtually on their computer before any sewing or cutting ever actually occurs. And, you know, it might be that some clothing objects are actually things that only ever exist virtually. Maybe it's cool enough to be sold virtually, but it wouldn't make it in the real world. And that's also something that's possible is that fashion doesn't necessarily have to be the realm of just the real world. Yeah. So a lot of your work actually crosses over into this digital world. And I want to talk about that a little bit. What do you see the role? What is the role of avatars in virtual reality, do you think? So we've discussed the Facebook and social VR aspects of this. I I also think that I'm lucky enough that I've been able to see the evolution of the internet sort of from early days. And it's mostly a positive, exciting thing. But unfortunately, there are dark underside aspects to parts of the internet that make me really sad because I assure you that, you know, the harassment of women and people who are vulnerable was never part of the plan. And there are pretty strong arguments that Facebook, love it or hate it, by adopting a real names policy and putting people's picture and real identity and social connections front and center, that it reduced a lot of the opportunity for bullying and and just kind of random male violence because I think it's a lot harder to justify being that kind of jerk if if people know who you are. But also I think it's a lot harder to go to a real person and say, hey, you know, kill yourself. It's a weird thing to imagine doing for most people. But somehow total anonymity on the web today brings out the worst in people. So one of the things I'm most excited about with avatars is this idea that if I look like me and you look like you, that I really I want to believe optimistically that it becomes much more difficult to walk up to someone and treat them sort of in a sociopathic manner because you can't help but confront their humanity. So I think one of the most promising aspects of virtual reality is that it's a domain that's started out out of the gate really well represented with women contributing to the creative process and to the technical evolution. And it's it's seen as, as an opportunity for a safe space that might be safer than the web has ever been. And of course, there's technology that we need to sort of make use of to prevent harassment and, and bullying as well. But I think just the fundamental aspect of having an avatar that looks like a real person, it makes it harder for you to be an asshole and it makes it harder for other people to be an asshole to you. That's interesting. So we're now talking about going into this embodied digital world in order to get at something human or in order to restore something about humanity, about our interactions. Yeah, maybe. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. So we touched on, we touched a little bit on shopping and the way that this might affect how we shop for clothes in the future. One of the things I noticed about using apps like Bitmoji and Pokemon Go is that you get to dress your avatar. Can you imagine a future where we're purchasing clothing for our avatars? You mentioned this briefly. Not only can I imagine it, I'm, I'm also kind of counting on it. Absolutely. One of the things that our, 
our platform allows people to do is personalize their avatar. And that isn't just changing their shape and, uh, you know, colors and stuff. It's, it, you know, it could be hulking out, but it also could be putting on a cool hat or an interesting outfit and potentially having many variations just like we do in our real lives. So the in-game economies that were sort of pioneered by some of the social games like Farmville, even though I'd say those went to kind of a dark place and took advantage of people's sort of inherent, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll act like robots when given the opportunity to spend money on a credit card. I'm not looking to, to punish people for their intrigue and curiosity, but I am interested in giving them an opportunity potentially to spend a little bit of money to make their avatar the coolest version of themselves that they want to be. And hopefully that benefits everyone in the chain, not just the the person with the virtual persona, but, you know, let's say an aspiring clothing stylist uh, or someone who's not yet at the point where people are offering them runway shows. But, you know, if you imagine, like, we know where Justin Bieber came from. He came from YouTube. He was just a, uh, just a YouTube kid. And so the idea that you could have a grassroots internet viral clothing designer take off thanks to virtual reality is not at all science fiction. Yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds crazy. Like when you, if you were to ask me today, would I spend money on clothes for my avatar? I'd say absolutely not. But then again, if you asked me 10 years ago, would I spend money on filters for an, uh, you know, photo service on my phone that beautify my face or, you know, give my cheeks a little bit more rose, I'd say absolutely not then too. So it's, it's interesting where this can all take us. And I love the idea of being able to... I promise not to make fun of you when it happens. <laughs> I love the idea of being able to dress my avatar, actually, now that I think about it. But I want to know a little bit more about your company. Do you see It's Me as a consumer-facing company or as a software provider that you can license to companies? So in other words, like where do you envision your company going in the next five years, let's say? Sure. So today, we look an awful lot like a technology company, technology provider, because that's the stage of the business that we're at. But make no mistake, we are absolutely gearing up to launch ourselves as a consumer brand. There will be a cool website that you can use to to manage your avatars. There's going to be an app that I'm hoping becomes as addictive as Instagram is for scrolling through and seeing what your friends are doing with their avatars. And you know, as much as we don't necessarily get so wrapped up in the physical aspect of actually capturing people, like the hardware can be, can take a lot of different forms. There is something about the fact that when you're at a, at a sports game or a mall or, you know, a museum and you, you get scanned, I mean, there is this very physical sort of in-person experience that happens. And so if we can be a part of you know, sort of the brand that powers that, the Intel inside of, of avatars, then that doesn't seem like such a bad place to be. And how did you get into this? What's your background? Yeah, so <laughs> I've been a lot of things. I try to see my life as a series of well-executed five-year plans. You know, I started off as a as a rock drummer and an anarchist, and then I started running software companies. I'd say at this point, uh, at this stage, it's me as the perfect opportunity for me to be doing my life's work because it seems to be at this intersection of technology, business, and photography. I love to take pictures of people. I love to use film. So it's neat that on one side of my creative life, I, I hunt on eBay for expired medium format film. But on the other side, I shoot 70 digital pictures at a time of people and turn them into virtual reality avatars. So you know, why not? A little bit of everything, right? 
But yeah, for me, growing up as sort of the computer geek, son of an engineer, grandson of an inventor, it's kind of like both not where I expected to be and the obvious place for me to end up. I love what I do. I'm a very lucky guy. Very cool. Now, I know you were snickering about this question earlier because you don't necessarily see yourself as someone working necessarily in fashion, but as someone whose technology work is touching fashion and clothing and, you know, the way we shop in the future, what do you think fashion can learn from technology? And then I'll turn the question on its head. What do you think technology can learn from fashion? Sure. So when we started our first software company about 12 years ago, one of the first things we did was get invited to a, a fashion party at the Harborfront Center. And there was all these attractive people and there was music and lights and everyone was attractive and having fun. And I remember we looked at each other and we were like, wow, geeks really need to figure out how to throw a better party because this, this is a lot better. And did our we did our best and continue to try. I think that that the fashion world is actually really inspiring. And as much as there's probably downsides to certain elements of fashion culture, I do think that it's really empowering to take control of your appearance and that your appearance and your the, the projection of like who you are is it's also so tied and it's confidence boosting. And, you know, coming from the tech world, I, I unfortunately, I'd, I'd say that there's sort of a, a very male-dominated, drab, kind of monocultural jeans and a shirt, lots of black. And so as a guy who loves to wear bright bright colors and sort of take a few risks for a computer geek, it's inspiring to sort of imagine those two worlds colliding a little bit more. I think that the open source mentality of the idea of sharing and collaborating on ideas and not being so neurotic and paranoid about people stealing your ideas really would help some aspects of fashion. Certainly, one of my favorite quotes, business quotes, uh, Jack Welch, who was one of the CEOs of GE, he always said, don't worry about people stealing your good ideas. If they're any good at all, you'll have to shove them down people's throats. And it's so true. The idea that someone capable and intelligent enough of understanding what you've created is going to take one look at what you've done and be able to just, like, not only stop what they're doing and and do it better than you, faster than you, and catch up, but you know that that they wouldn't have a thousand of their own projects that they would want to do first. So at, at some point, you you learn that the world isn't full of your enemies. You know, it's like who are you that you have so many enemies? Most people, given the opportunity, if you let them in on into your world and give them an opportunity to be a participant you end up realizing that everyone kind of wants to help. And so shifting a bit more to a trust-based, you know, favor economy, if you will, is probably something that would do well for a lot of aspects of fashion, especially for people who are just getting started. Yeah, absolutely. So how can people follow you and stay in touch with what you're doing? The best way to follow It's Me today is uh, you can find us on Facebook where It's Me 3D Avatar. It's a little bit of a a mouthful, but we're It's Me 3D Avatar on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are doing our best at getting better at posting regularly, but it's certainly easy to get in touch. Also, of course, you can go to itsme3d.com and find out where the closest place to get scanned is and, you know, check out some videos about what we're up to. But yeah, we definitely would love to hear from you. I, I'd say that if you're in Toronto, if you ask nicely, you might even be able to come by and, and get turned into an avatar yourself. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time and we'll see you on the dance floor. 
Thanks so much. That was my conversation with Pete Ford of It's Me, a company that asks us to consider how we'll occupy our digital lives in the future. To see the recap video of me being turned into an avatar, check out electricrunway.com. We've embedded the Instagram video into this week's podcast blog post. If you like this episode, we invite you to please leave it a thumbs up or a five-star rating, depending on which audio platform you're listening on. In case you missed it, I'm writing a new column. It's called Fashion Forward, and it's part of our ongoing efforts at Electric Runway to bring you stories, expertise, and inspiration from the front lines of fashion tech. The Fashion Forward column will appear in your inbox bi-weekly, that's twice a month, not twice a week, and will cover topics such as connected clothing, smart jewelry, augmented retail, and virtual reality. If you're interested, you can find the link on Electric Runway where you can sign up or simply sign up at tinyletter.com backslash electric runway. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future. 